Welcome back to our worship service here at GBC. If you've missed any of the messages for the past week, past year, past few years, we have an archive of messages going back to 2017 on our website. Check it out. Uh, and if you're searching for the most recent ones, go to the Facebook uh, page. Okay? Last to say this morning, I even put a timer on myself. I, I, I noticed that I was, I've been going long these few uh you notice? Yeah. yeah, you have. I know you have. You're just lying to my face. Uh, <laughs> I know. I see it in your <laughs> No, but I've, I've been, because my timer over there, I used to have a timer over there. They don't flash it anymore, so I'm going to have my own here. So, last to say, we finished chapter 15 uh, uh, last week on our ongoing study of this book of Exodus uh, and it's the part of the narrative where the Israelites had to be uprooted by Moses. Remember this part? They had to be uprooted by Moses after the Red Sea crossing. Uh, and then after three days in the, to the next leg of their journey, the Israelites started to grumble. Okay, that's going to be the theme for the whole rest of the Exodus book. So people keep grumbling. Okay? We're going to try and get to the bottom of it. Today and, and next week. So uh, first leg, three days into the journey, they grumbled. Why? Because they had no water. Um, God heard their grumbling, provided water. Did they have to grumble? No, they could have just asked. But grumbling is different, <laughs> right? So they could have just asked. God would have given it to them. But even if they grumbled, even though they did grumble, God still provided water. Now the water was bitter wasn't, you know, Fiji water. You know, Fiji, that's my favorite bottled water. $8 a little bottle. It's crazy. But it's good water. It's, it wasn't like that. But God provided water. And then they grumbled. It was bitter. They grumbled. So what did God do? Sweeten the water. Grace right away in the desert. And mercy, by the way. So God redeemed the water in Marah, turned the bitter into sweet. Um, but once again, I kind of refocus people here. The, the, the focus is not on the miracle. Uh, I know a lot of people read Exodus, they all see the miracles. Um, but the focus here is not on the miracle. First, it's, it's the fact that God didn't just drown them in water <laughs> because of their grumbling. Um, and second, um, God led them to bitter water to show them something else, to show them that, they, that he still had to remove some kind of bitterness in the hearts of these people. Um, and it was evident because of their grumbling. So grumbling was the sign. Grumbling was the symptom that God still had to um, work in the hearts of the Israelites. Um, but um, God had mercy. No, well, not but. God had mercy over them. Uh, at the waters of Marah. And it didn't stop there. God's mercy showed up again when they left Marah, uh, when the Lord made a statute and a rule for them. Uh, the Lord said, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in His eyes and give ear to His commandments and keep all His statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. Mercy again, right? And notice that God didn't say, I'm the Lord your Savior. I'm the Lord your Redeemer. Because that's not what he's doing here, right? 
You already redeemed them. You already saved them. Now he has to heal them. Right? Why? Because they had, they still had something. It showed in their grumbling. Something in their hearts that still need healing. So in doing so, God again not only showed mercy, but he also gave them grace. Because after that, he led them to Elam. And Elam, there was 12 springs of water, palm trees, the works. I think they have all you can eat too. They just, they just didn't, uh, they didn't mention it there. But all inclusive. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty much paradise, right? Elam, when you, when you read the, the description. But again, you'd think that God would be like, ah, yeah, just stay here. Yeah, I, I believe the people of Israel probably like, let's just stay here. <laughs> Forget the promised land, right? But they didn't. They got uprooted again. 16, verses 1 and 2. They set out from Elam, and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month, after they had departed from the land of Egypt. And once again, the whole congregation of the people of Israel, you guys say it. I said say it, don't grumble it out. Say it. And the people of Israel, again, they grumbled again. What's, what's wrong this time? They grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel in verse 3 said to them, What? That, would that we died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, where we sat by meat pots and bread, ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly. So, just like what we mentioned last week, Israelites have a tendency to settle, but God will not let them. So in order to continually strengthen their faith, and by the way, this is the whole purpose of this whole exercise as far as the Israelites are concerned is to strengthen their faith in God. For God to continue to strengthen their faith, he had to continue intensifying the training. Right? Because if you think about it, we, we saw it in the map, right? There's a shortcut to get to, to Canaan. But he's leading them the long way. Uh, one preacher said, I think it was Piper, who said um, God would, be, would make a bad travel agent. And you can go to God, God, I want to go to the Philippines. Okay, you have to stop over the U.S. and Taiwan and Korea. And it's not just quick stopovers, long stopovers. God would make a, big, a bad uh, travel agent because he could have just led them straight, but his purpose is not to just get them there. His purpose is to strengthen their faith in him. So this time he led them further into the wilderness the desert now obviously when God said I'm gonna I'm your healer that healing is gonna take time it's not gonna it's not right away um, because uh, after a month and a half of walking through the wilderness a few weeks after God had just proved himself to them I've just proved himself faithful in Mara and in Elam the Israelites were at it again and this time it got worse you guys notice that in their grumbling it got even worse. Let's read 3 again. Verse 
parents, okay? So we have kids. My kids went on a stay in a state or went through a stage where and you bring them to like a vacation. Like, you know, the Wonderland or uh, what is it, Niagara, Great Wolf Lodge. Instead of, you know, thanking you, enjoying, you don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. Really? That's what it sounds like here, right? I don't want to be here, God. Just let us die in Egypt. Because there we had meat pots and ate bread to the full. Are you serious? Do you guys read this? If you guys read this and you imagining it, they sound like rumbling, whining children. Who here hates whining children? I can't stand it anymore. I used to be able to put up with it. Now if I just hear it, I just, I just want to blow up. I just want to just choke somebody. Right? That's something in me. That's bitterness in me that needs to worked out. Um, <laughs> but that's what I hear here. is whining overprivileged children. That's what it sounds like to me. And it's funny because I hear myself like that sometimes. When I feel as if I know I deserve certain things just because. And what's worse is this. I notice that about myself after I came to this country, that I whined more when I came to this country. Even the Philippines. I, I, when I'm thinking about the Philippines, I, we had nothing there. Well, nothing. Well, we had something. We, we weren't like living in the street. <laughs> but as a kid, and you see all these other kids having their toys, and you know, I would ask for Transformers. I would get nothing. <laughs> look at my dad. Look at me. I bought you the toys. Not the ones that I asked for. <laughs> right? You didn't have it. You didn't have it. But I wasn't whining back then because I knew that this, this is it. This is the best that my dad could do. But when I got here, some, somehow, uh, my whining, my grumbling got worse. What's the problem? Right? What's the issue? The way I see it is this, and you're going to have to listen carefully because this is, uh, it might get a little bit confusing. The way I see it is this. This is the big problem with the human heart. It's a hard problem. Grumbling is a hard problem. That's what God is trying to get out of the Israelites, right? This is the way I see it. Our contentment for the things of this world gets less and less. Our level of contentment for the things of this world, gets less and less the more God blesses us. Doesn't sound right. Or let me say another way. We get more and more discontent the more God gives us material things. <laughs> I, this is not a blanket statement, by the way. I know some of us are probably saying, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, ha I, no, I'm content, I'm happy. I don't grumble. I'm grumbling right now. <laughs> right? The more God blesses us with these things, the more we get discontent. Like, if you think about old age, you should be happy you got to 60, or who's, well, 80s here? Anybody 80s? 
Right? You should be always rejoicing. But no, most, most old people, they wake up grumbling. Why am I still alive? Why are my knees hurt? Why don't you just, why don't you just take me, Lord? Right? But that's how it is. The more we get blessed by God, the more we are discontent and the more we grumble. So instead of feeding our contentment, material and even some physical blessings often, often feed our discontentment. Right? And again, looking back, I see this truth in myself where before I was happy with a, you know, a cheap pair of Nikes bought from Walmart. I was happy with Nike. Even if it's a fake, I'll be happy. And then I got to a point where four or $500 pair of sneakers doesn't do it anymore. It's more blessing, but my contentment is less. Right? And you look at the same pattern in the Israelites. Okay? First, they grumbled in Egypt. We're in slavery. Help us. God said, I heard your cries. I'm going to send... Moses got him out. Three days of freedom after crossing the Red Sea, grumble in Mara. God, what did he do? Redeemed the bitter waters. A month, or, and then get, sent them to Elam. A month later, grumbled again. In where? This time in the, in the wilderness. If you keep thinking of it, you keep looking at the pattern. After that, in the wilderness, what do they want now? Food. Right? And again, they didn't have to grumble. They could have just asked. But they grumbled, like overprivileged, whining children. After food, they get to Mount Sinai. What did they grumble about next? You guys know the story? Moses taking too long up there, Aaron. We're bored. You make us a God because this, this God that Moses is talking to is taking too long. Make us a God that we may worship. Now they want a God. <laughs> it's crazy how this pattern is evident and you see, see it today. Right? You see today that God's goodness is always, almost always often taken advantage of by the people that he's blessing. Sad to see, but that's what it is, right? But God, um, um, when it comes to his patience and mercy, he always comes through. He always, his patience is so long when it comes to these grumbling people. Um, so when they get to, uh, you'd think that when they got to the wilderness, you'd think that they would at least give given God the benefit of the doubt that he would provide, but no. They didn't. Uh, they grumbled. They, they leveled up their grumbling. They even accused God of killing them. Um, they doubted the goodness of God in their grumbling. Um, so much so that they're telling God, you know, Pharaoh's better. Pharaoh's better. Egypt was, was better. And again, it was... Uh, there's a purpose. God has a purpose in all of this, and hopefully I'll get to it uh, today because this is pretty long. Um, so at the point of their journey, uh, 
God, again, is revealing some kind of bitterness in their hearts and also revealing their lack of faith in him. And I think C.S. Lewis puts it, and it's not C.S. Lewis per se. This came from a, a paraphrase of, from a movie based on C.S. Lewis. Okay? This is what it says. I'm not sure God wants us to be happy. I think he wants us to love and be loved. But we are like children, thinking our toys will make us happy and the whole world is our nursery. Something must drive us out of that nursery and into the lives of others, and that something is suffering. God made them go through, led them too deeper into the wilderness so that they can experience suffering in order for them to be healed. Now, when we think about that, we hear that. Like, what kind of God is that? Why would he do that? What you need to realize is this. Before you think that God is this guy, you just, you know, up there in heaven, he just wants to see us all suffer. Realize that it is actually harder for God to withhold things from his children than just to just give it. It's harder for him to do that. Why? Because God, by nature, is a lavish giver. You can see it in the Garden of Eden. Eat from all the trees, all of them, except for one. He didn't say eat from one and stay away from the rest. Eat from all, except for one. He's a lavish giver. It's harder for him to withhold things rather than just give it. Right? But he's also a lover. And it's, it's in his nature to love. That's why he has to withhold things from us. Uh, parents, uh, I don't know, parents who love their children, let me qualify it that way. There are some parents who don't love their children. Uh, let me qualify it. Parents who love their children would want to just give their children every time the kid cries. Yeah. Oh, you want this? Those are the parents that don't love their children. You don't love your children if you're like that. Because that's not how God is, and God is love. God withholds, even though it's hard for him to withhold. Parents were the same way. We want to give. Don't you? Our number one instinct is not to withhold from our children. Our number one instinct is to give. But because you love them, you withhold. Look how Moses says the same truth in Deuteronomy 8, 1 to 3. Can you guys read this? Can you guys read this? Read this part carefully.
Keep that in mind, okay? That, that text says, and this is part of Moses' last sermon before he died. That text says that God is about to bring them to the promise. Land. He got them out of Egypt so he can give them the promised land. And in the promised land, they're never going to be hungry ever again. They're going to prosper. Right? That's what he said. How are the Israelites going to prosper in the promised land? Moses says, by remembering what they learned in the wilderness. What was it that they were supposed to learn in the wilderness? Humility, obedience, and faith. Right? That was the thing that they were supposed to learn in the wilderness. That was the thing that God was training them for in the wilderness. And I've said this before, God's ultimate purpose in saving mankind is to restore that loving and trusting relationship he had, he once had with human beings before the fall. In order to do that, human beings need to know and trust God for who he really is. And for that to happen, God needs to allow man to experience some suffering so that they can realize and experience what it means to be apart from God. Take, again, verse 3 of the chapter 8 in Deuteronomy. It says, God allowed the Israelites to go hungry so that they may realize that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The suffering is to kind of just wake you up to the fact that you're passing that. Remember I said last week, God put up this fence, this rule. What was the rule? Just do what I say. Listen to what I say. Obey what I say. If you go past this, you will Feel what it's like to be away from me. That's suffering. And God has to use that in order to bring us back into the fence. Right? In Exodus 16, God trained the faith of the Israelites in the wilderness by, by putting them on a diet. The title of the message is called the Desert Diet. Who here is on a diet? you don't raise your hand, you don't know what diet means. Everybody's on a diet. You all have a diet, right? If you don't have a diet, you're, you die. <laughs> Everybody is on a diet. So when we talk about diets, we talk about physical diets. We can either be talking about what we eat or how much we eat. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about physical dieting, right? So if your goal is to lose weight, there are different types of diets. I'm sure you've heard of all these diets before. Uh, <laughs> some of you have tried all of them. <laughs> I've tried all of them. Uh, so if your goal is to lose weight, there are different types of diets that you can do as far as what you're supposed to eat is concerned. Right, so what, what do I eat if I want to lose weight? Uh, so there is the South Beach diet. In South Beach, you don't eat any... No carbs. Wow. Uh, Filipinos, no South Beach. We don't like South Beach. We need rice, right? There's South Beach diet. Then there's the vegan diet. There's vegetarian diet. There's a carnivore diet. Hmm? No carbs. <laughs> carnivore diet is called keto diet. Okay? There's all kinds of these diets, and it deals with what you're supposed to eat to lose weight. But in order to accomplish your goal of weight loss, what you eat does not really matter as much as how much you eat. You agree with that? 
doesn't matter what you eat. You eat eating vegetables. If you eat a whole truck of vegetables, you, you're not, not going to lose weight. Right? doesn't matter what you eat as long as you know how much to eat. Uh, and I've seen all kinds of health and fitness influencers on YouTube, and all of them pretty much say the same thing. What you eat does not matter as much as when it comes to losing weight. What you eat doesn't matter as much when it comes to losing weight. The key to weight loss is to be in a caloric deficit. Okay? Now, what does that mean? A calorie is the measurement of how much energy a certain amount of food contains. Or in other words, a calorie is a unit of energy. I know you're thinking, what does this have to do with this, the text? Just, just bear with me. Okay? Calorie is a unit of energy. So when you look at labels of foods, who, who looks at the labels? Okay? The amount of calories listed on it tells you how much energy your body can get from eating or drinking that food. Okay? 200 calories, 200 units of energy. Okay? So really, your caloric intake should just be enough to support the type of activities or work that you do each day. That's optimal. Right? It has to. You, you don't fill up your gas tank until it overflows. You're not supposed to do that. Why? Dangerous. Your car could blow up. Your truck could, get, you know, choke. But we do it every day with our bodies. <laughs> we eat more than the energy that we need in order to function. Right? But not, you're not supposed to do that. You're only supposed to eat enough to support the type of activities that you want to do or that you have to do each day or your work. Otherwise, you will have an excess amount of fuel. What does the body do with the fuel? It stores it. Where does it store it? In your belly. In your, your fats. <laughs> That's what's happening. So all of us should just be eating just enough. My doctor said, um, Filipinos are a farming community. They're a farming people. That's why in the Philippines, they, you eat a lot of rice, right? When you get here to Canada, you're not a farmer anymore. Why do you, why do you still eat so much rice? <laughs> but it's, it makes sense, right? You're only supposed to eat what you are. And, and when you do that, your body functions optimally, better. You feel better when you do that. You, you feel better if you just eat a certain amount of food at an all-you-can-eat buffet instead of, oh, I paid $20, I better eat the whole buffet. <laughs> you know, right? The problem with that is that food is good. Eating food is good. Right? Amen? Amen. Somebody. Everybody here is such a... Mm, I don't do that. <laughs> All right. We love eating food. So our tendency for good things is to what? Abuse it. Eat more than what we're supposed to. Now couple that with inactivity. So not only do you put so much fuel, you don't burn it. Right? You think that watching TV is enough to burn. Some people Google that. How much calories do I burn watching TV? 
right? We don't burn it. Why? Because sleeping, sitting down, doing nothing is good. It's better for me. It's good. I don't have to exert any effort. And when it's good, you abuse it. Food is good, you abuse. Rest is good, we abuse. Now, all that is to say that our bodies were designed to function at an optimal level, level or at its best when we don't abuse. When we just eat what we should, when we work out when we should, when we sleep when we should. Join our Wednesday prayer fellowship if you want to learn more about this rhythm of Godwardness. But that's what it is. God created it to be that way. Right? Now, how do you compare that? And this is going back now to our text. How does that compare to our spiritual diet? Okay? Our spiritual diet, as far as calories is concerned, and how it is fuel for energy, what is our spiritual calorie? Or should I say, who is our spiritual calorie? God is, right? God is our calorie. He is the source of our lives. He is what we need in order to live spiritually and I can argue even physically. Apart from God, we die. And again, we see this truth in Genesis. After the fall, Adam and Eve were separated because of sin and with separation comes, separation from God comes the inevitability of death. Um, But did you notice how God, even though Adam and Eve separated themselves from him, he can't stop providing for them? He still provided for them. He still dressed them up. Provided for them. Right? He has to. Again, he has to because that's his character. And again, I'm trying to point out here that the suffering that we experience, that God allows us to experience, is the hardest thing for him to actually do. So he wants to give. But the problem is our hearts are corrupt. And the more he gives, the more we are discontent. And the more we're discontent, the more we... Grumble against him. This, this is how bad men, sinful men are. And not only that, our tendency, strong tendency of men, is to worship God's gifts instead of God himself. But God, in his grace and mercy, again, still found a way for man's relationship with him to be restored. And again, he used suffering. How did God restore his relationship with mankind through suffering? By sending his son to suffer. Suffering uh, for God is this loud call to bring man back to himself. So on the cross of Christ, the greatest unjust suffering that happened to a man, that's his loudest call. Call us back to God for man to repent and once again believe in God. Now, those of us who have placed our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, but we're still living on this side of eternity, the problem with us is we're still prone to wander. We're still prone to be distracted by the things of this earth, which are all ultimately good gifts from God. So God, again, in his wisdom and mercy, uses suffering in order to get our focus to turn back to him and also to strengthen our faith in him. So go back to Deuteronomy. Let's go back to Deuteronomy 8. This time, I'm going to read 7 to, tw- 7 to 20. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks, 
of water, of fountains and springs flowing out in the valleys and hills. A land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land where, whose stones are iron, out of whose hills you can dig copper. And you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Now listen to this part. Take care, lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and rules and statutes, which I command you today. Lest, when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses, Lived in them when your herds and flocks multiply, when your silver and gold multiply, all you have is multiplied, then your heart will be lifted up. And what? And you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents, scorpions, and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you water out of uh, the flinty rock who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. Beware, lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is, as it is this day. And if you forget, Lord your God, and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish. 20. Like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you, so shall you. Because you would not obey the voice. You see that? God is preparing them for the promised land by bringing them to the wilderness, by allowing them to go hungry, to, to strengthen their faith. Why? Because once they get there, it's going to be hard. Why? Because it's going to be so good. In our tendency, when God blesses us, the more he blesses us, the more we grumble. And if you don't grumble against Moses, we, you read that in the... You don't grumble against people, you grumble against God. So hopefully you follow that train of thought. Leading them through the wilderness for 40 years is because that land that God promised to them is good. They can prosper. They can have unlimited bread. No physical lack, material from provision. They can eat and be full. Sounds like Canada. Doesn't it? Come on, don't, don't like. Every, nobody wants to look at me straight in my face. Doesn't it sound like eat and be full? Yeah, because I know our mentality. We're not that full. We're not that rich. I'm broke. Nobody's broke in here. You were 
brought here by God to be blessed by him. See that? Look, we have cell phones that are ringing even though we're in the service. <laughs> we have <laughs> Some of us have five cell phones, three, four cars, two, three houses. And yet, he still grumbles. God is preparing the Israelites to deal with prosperity, to deal with his goodness. There's a reason why we, why we need glorified bodies when we get to heaven. Because with our bodies right now, the goodness that God has will kill us, will crush us. So he has to give us glorified bodies in order to be able to enjoy him forever. That's why here, he's doing the same thing. He's trying to protect us from his goodness because of our corrupt hearts. We turn that goodness and we abuse it. If God was just to be good all the time, just, okay, I'll give you whatever, we'll, we'll be abusive. The nicer you are, the more people abuse you. <laughs> Isn't that right? Sounds, sounds like it, right? Don't you have relatives like that in the Philippines? Oops, I shouldn't have said that. Don't you? First, first is it's help. Then it becomes a what? <laughs> Responsibility. <laughs> Why? Because you're so nice. You just give, 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 give. You don't even analyze. You don't even think about anything. You don't even think if that giving is going to be for their good. Sometimes it's, you're just making it worse. God's not like that, <laughs> thankfully. But we also have to thank him for the sufferings. Right? That's, the warning. That's what the warning is for. Take care when God blesses you. Don't forget him. After you built your house, multiply your gold, your silver, don't forget the Lord your God. I've heard multiple testimonies of um, Christians coming from the Philippines. And they all say that uh, in the Philippines they were on fire. Join all the Bible studies, evangelize, active at church. When they get here, fires like douse this thing. I don't know if it's cold weather or what is it. But when they get here, all of a sudden they're not. They don't feel as anymore. Why? Because there's so many opportunities to get what you didn't have when you were in the, you focus on those. Next thing you know, the warning. You forgot about God. You built your house, multiplied your silver and gold, forget about God. And then when you, the time that you do remember God is when you have something that you can't get. So you pray. <laughs> Please. And then when you get it, when you don't get it, you grumble. Amen. So true, though. I'm the same way, right? The more God blesses me, it's like, why am I still? Sometimes you catch yourself. Why am I still unhappy? What, am, what, what else do we need? <laughs> Beware, says there. 
lest you begin to think in your heart, my power and my might of hand have gotten me this wealth. And then verse 19 and 20 again, the climax of the warning. What does it say again, 19 and 20? If you forget God, if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I warn you today, you perish. Like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you, so shall you perish. Because you would not obey the voice of the Lord of God. If you know your New Testament, you know that God is not, you know, disowning his people. I think the point of that is to say, apart from me, you will suffer. So when you experience suffering, that means you just pass the, the border. <laughs> Come back. Come back. Don't, don't keep going that way. You're just going to end up suffering even more. Remember what I said earlier about the root of the problem of the Israelites, which leads to their ever-increasing and intensifying grumbling. It's our heart's tendency to be increasingly discontent the more God blesses them. That's why we think about all these things to do. Um, I was just introduced to chat GPT. Anybody know? Chat GPT. AI. Mm. Version 4 just came out. And I have an essay to write, so I'm like, oh, perfect. You know what ChatGPT does? It's like a Google on steroids. That's what it is. So you can tell it, okay, uh, I need to write an essay on, you know, uh, the book of Exodus. It needs to be 10 pages, double-spaced, whatever. Write it for me. It writes it takes everything in the internet, any information on Exodus, puts it in a nice essay form, and then writes it for you. Wow. You can use your phone, take a picture of your fridge, click. What can I make from all these ingredients from the fridge? It'll tell you. Oh, you have eggs? You can make scrambled eggs. Oh, you have milk? You can do this. Wow. So I was talking to... Uh, we are Alvin's uh, son-in-law last night about it. What do you think is the implications of that? What do you think that is? It's this times, okay? It's our golden calf. Don't you get it? It's an all-knowing being. <laughs> it knows everything. You can ask it anything. It knows everything. So people whom God gave skills to, when it comes to programming and computers, used it to create a modern golden calf. So they can have a God who knows everything and can tell them what to do, and they don't have to do it. And they need something, it'll just give it to them. Again, <laughs> root of the problem, of the tendency of the heart, human heart, is to be increasingly discontent the more God blesses. The more God blesses, the more we come up with some crazy stuff to do against God. Right? Turn women into men, men into women. That's not, that's, it's true. Where did that come from? Right? Smart people thought of that. How do those people get so smart? God gives them that. But they use it against him. Chat GPT. 
list goes on and on. That's the tendency of every human being, even for those who call themselves Christians. Right? We are so easily distracted by the things of this earth. We are like children who are so easily entertained and so easily pleased by trinkets, so much so that the instant God withholds anything from us, we whine, we grumble like overprivileged, spoiled brats. Instead of rejoicing and praising God for all His goodness He has showered upon us, from the time we were born, we whine and grumble at the one thing He wisely withholds from us. And that's in order to protect us from our own selfish greed. Why do we grumble? Because of that. Because God has been so good. And because he's been so good, we feel privileged that anything that we ask, he should give. He better give. If he doesn't give, grumble. How does God resolve this? How does God heal? And let me echo the words of the Apostle Paul. Romans 7, 24, Apostle Paul said, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Because I struggle with it every day. Do you? Anybody else? I struggle with it every day. Right? Uh, that's why I hate being just sitting in front of the internet and watching YouTube. So all these things pop up. Right? You search for one thing, next thing you know, ten of those things pop up. And it feeds you and it feeds you and it feeds you. And what does it do? It feeds your discontent. Well, how come God didn't give me that? Why did you just give me this? <laughs> Does it work? Yes. But I want that. So what do you do? Grumble. My neighbor has an electric car. I don't have one. God. Meanwhile, you have five cars in your garage. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Every day, we're all tempted to grumble. I'm tempted to grumble out of discontent at the 10,000 blessings that God has just given me. <laughs> Imagine if you think, if you put it that way, right? We grumble for one thing, but we forget the 10,000 things that God has given you just on that day. What's wrong? God? Only God can help this bitter spirit, the grumbling hearts, and he does it by training. And he does it through a desert diet. You want to know what desert diet means? You want to know what the desert diet is? Who wants to go on a desert diet? Nobody? <laughs> I almost came in. I looked for recipes for manna. There's recipes for manna on YouTube. There, there is. It's like little crackers with honey. It's, it's true. You can make it. You can make it. I almost came in and made some. Will you eat this for 40 years? Oh, you want quail too? <laughs> right? Who wants to go on a desert diet, come back next? And bring. And stop grumbling about the length of the service. <laughs> 48 minutes. So I'm good. I stayed on time. Amen. Let's pray. The Lord bless you and keep.
gracious heart.